I don't know if this sounds too woo-woo, but it's like that energetic mating call. You know, you talked about <laughs> confidence. You talked about like... <laughs> I like that term, energetic yeah. mating call. We're like... Yeah. You know, <laughs> all of a sudden someone pops up like out of a fucking coffee shop. Like, oh, there's my... What? Smelling their pheromones, getting all up in your business. Looks like you've officially entered the group chat with your best friends. My name is Ali Pintucci, and this is the Unfiltered Podcast, the place where we leave the heavily filtered world of social media to talk about anything and everything uncensored. From personal wellness to entrepreneurship, spirituality, sex, surviving breakups, and hilarious girl talk in between, this is the space for important conversations that women should be having with their best friends. So pour yourself a glass of whatever makes you feel good, sit back, and join me as I navigate adulthood with real, unfiltered conversations. Of like, I'm now learning how to heal collective codependency. It's like my fear of what you think and what you think of me is going to mute me versus like in relationship, I've kind of got that dialed now. I'm like, share, mm -hmm. we have a safe space, we share. But nobody's nervous system was designed to hold opinions of thousands of people, if not millions. And so you have to learn how to, in a healthy way, just reorganize where your worth comes from. It can't come from agreement anymore. It can't come from compliance. It can't. It's like an act of rebellion is an act of reclamation, but you still got to deal with the fucking shit storm. And it's like, can you still hold on to who you are and have be disliked for something you said. And I mean, that's the ultimate work. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. That's I'm saying like this the, like I'm trying. That's like the boss level of the video game. You know, like you get, <laughs> you have to like that go is. through all these things and then it's like the fucking dragon. And it's just like, here that we You have are. to slay at the end, you know? And it's like, I was yeah. listening to a, a spiritual teacher say, it's really only the ego that needs to learn to let go of the ego. Mm. And I was like, what? That's some like next level 5D shit. It's like, so the ego is an illusion. And so the ego's experience of the ego is an illusion. And you're like, what? Say that again. But I think that's it. It's like, I'm learning that I my commitment to the truth is more important than anything. Yeah. And so I think about it. It's like, I remember asking, having a coach. It's like, how, how do I live in my most expanded self? And he was like, show up every day and tell the truth. And I'm like, that's what I do. Every that's morning. so hard though. I'm working the hardest. my coach. So Christine Bano is my coach. Love her. I hate her right now. <laughs> oh yeah. She lays down some, <laughs> some guide shit. Yeah. She's like, right now you're operating in this annoyance. Like what's coming to me is that you're really annoyed. So you're in this annoyed state. So everything's annoying you. So more things start to annoy you. And I'm like, you're fucking annoying me. <laughs> yeah. You're like, how accurate you fucking annoying. Mike, you sound like a cricket in my house right now. Yeah. It's. I hear you. Let's get into this shit so we Let's can dial this it. in. You talked about this recently and it's one of my favorite things on the internet is <laughs> doing the work. But mm. not, not so much people just silently doing the work. It's the people that are like, I've read the podcast. I've done, I've read, you know, I've listened to a podcast. I've read one book, maybe taken a course. I've done the work. I must tell everyone that I've done the work. And because <laughs> yeah, right. I have done the work, we can't talk to me about the work because it is complete. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be beautiful? 
<laughs> I think the universe reminds you when that's why I'm always so mindful of my words. Like I completed the level, I passed the test. I, and then I'm like waiting for the universe to give me a fucking slap upside the head. That's like, stay yeah, you're the like hump. peeking around the corner. Right. It's like, where's the two by four <laughs> or like, when am I going to press something and a boxing glove is going to hit me in the face. And I think if you can hold that humility as you build worth, you know, and I think if you can hold humility and curiosity as you develop a sense of self, develop self-worth that's independent of the world around you, then that separates the line from narcissism and arrogance from confidence. And confident people are uh, that are connective and authentic are human. You know, there's a humanness to them. Their confidence comes in their... Uh, Un, like no need for approval, acceptance of their flaws, acceptance of their humanness. And I think when you can wear your heart on the outside flaws and all, that's what's so attractive. That's what's so courageous is like, I don't need you to hold. That's where oversharing comes from is it's like, I want you to hear all these things that I don't know how to hold about myself. And I'm waiting for you to approve them. Well, once you approve of them, on a first date, you're not oversharing your traumas. You're not oversharing anything because from the space you're living in, you don't need someone to affirm it anymore. And that, I mean, that's hard because the world says, let me approve of you. I mean, that's true of, of all humans, not just, mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's especially true of women. Um, but I think for men and everything in between, there's sort of this idea that I get to approve too. You know, and that disconnects you from your heart. It's like anyone who inflicts trauma is traumatized. And it's it's hard work. Yeah. I would love to stay on this topic for a little bit longer because a lot of the work you're doing on your page, I feel like especially now that you're doing more of those engaging questions, you do a lot of work on breakups. You do a lot of work on navigating relationships. And I think a lot of people are kind of just looking to be like, okay, how do I how do I find my partner? How mm -hmm. do I, like, what do I need to do? Like, universe, tell me what I need to do to, like... To just get them. To just get them, you know? And yeah. we don't talk about the work that is required for you to do on yourself so you can... I don't know if this sounds too woo-woo, but it's like that energetic mating call, you know? You talked about <laughs> confidence. You talked about, like... <laughs> I like that term, energetic yeah. mating call. We're like... Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden someone pops up like out of a fucking coffee shop. Like, oh, there's my man. What? Smelling their pheromones, getting all up in your business. Yeah, I was talking to someone about that on another episode. And that's what I said. I said it's like an energetic mating call because I think back to my previous relationships and I think back to how they started and I think back to how they ended. And it's because when they started, I was one person. And when they ended, I was a completely different person. Yeah. And the in-between with that, uh, the in-between of those two things was codependency. It was letting myself go. It was depending on someone else for my happiness. It was just completely losing sight of who I was. But then like a lot of people, you just start over, right? You just go to the next person. And then you're like, why the fuck does this keep happening to me? It's like, yeah, well, right. it's right. like <laughs> you're just going into another situation where you're just repeating your pattern hoping that the next person will just put up with your bullshit <laughs> right right exactly you know and 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 like if i keep busy in the dating repeating the patterns then i can keep complaining and i can keep 
you know, and sort of with compassion, I say this, be the victim of my outcomes where in doing that, I've given up all power over choice, you know, where I actually get to say, wait, this is, a, I mean, this is an uncomfortable truth that I'm going to speak out of the context of abuse. I think that's an important caveat because usually when I say something like this, people go, not in abuse. And that's true. And um, let's speak to the context out of it though first, which is we're 100% responsible for our 50%, which is any relationship I got into, I said yes to. And if you can hold that, then you have to hold all of the grief, anger, sadness, rage, shame mm -hmm. that comes with accepting uncomfortable things. But if you can actually hold that, then now you can explore it. So if you can, if you can learn to get to a non-judgmental place of exploration of past, that allows you to separate yourself from your inner critic, which is usually just someone else's voice that you heard all the time that eventually you adopt it as your own. So if someone says, you're stupid, eventually it goes, I'm stupid. It becomes an internalized belief. And you being able to separate yourself from your thought, which again, I'm not getting all Eckhart Tolle up in here, but it's that that ability to say, I, despite my sadness, my grief, my shame, I, my guilt of who I've been too, I've lied, I've cheated, you know, like being able to explore all that. Mm -hmm. That's, if you can go into that, that's where all the fucking gems are. That's where Yoda lives. You know, that's where you become a Jedi. And, you know, it's, I, I think everyone needs to go into everything that they do to feel better about themselves. They need to go into that. Like anything that pulls you away from who you are. I remember talking to this spiritual teacher, Gangaji. And uh, one of the people was on the stage asking this question. They're like, you know, I got sober. I'm doing all these things. And I'm like, I'm still here. I'm waiting for this awakening. <laughs> and Gangaji said, get more sober. Damn. Get sober from everything that pulls you away from who you are. And that's why everything we do that we participate in trying to source worth or validation is still being complicit in a game that it's somehow going to be achieved by some sort of behavior, by some sort of acknowledgement, by some sort of uh, steroid or whatever it is, hair plugs. You know, I thought about getting those when my hairline started receding. I used to take a hair loss drug and, and I remember sort of waking up to the reality of my choice and being like, I'm participating in this game that men who have more hair are more desirable. And I refuse to participate in that. I refuse. And, you know, I think that's when we can go into, I just had so many windows of awareness when she was speaking Gangaji, because another person said, I just feel like I'm not enough. And she said, be not enough then. Like, just be not enough. I just let out answers. a- You're like, that didn't help me. But right, I'll right. But in that, it's, it's kind <laughs> of like, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's kind of like, well, that's, thanks a lot. You know, no shit, Sherlock. You know, but I- <laughs> What's kind of beautiful about that is when you just do that, you actually become yeah. human and you can feel your body let out a big exhale when you just go, oh, like I don't have to walk around with tight abs. I don't have to, you know, puff my chest out or do whatever. I'm speaking personally here <laughs> and, <laughs> and just let go and just be. And all of this sounds, you know, like it's kind of on the line of existentialism. And it is, you know, it's like, how do you, 
how do you play the game? How do you be human but be not? As I think it's Christ who said that, that to be in the world but not of the world. That's a, a crazy parallel to hold, to know that your nervous system is real, that grief is real, that emotions are real, and yet here you are, this soul that doesn't age, just becomes more ripe, becomes more awake, becomes more vocal. Should you um, choose to start the work? <laughs> should you choose to get all the conditioning out of the way? You know, and that I think is what life is about, is about, I mean, hopefully not for the next generation once you've done the work, you know, the child is born open. I love that you're saying that because I was, I, again, I was talking to someone else about this the other day and talking about how we're the generation that gets, we're like, the we break this. We yeah. were the generation that gets to change, literally change the world. What a and privilege that is. We, because look at our, <laughs> it's funny because I think about how my parents raised me, right? But they only know from what, like their parents taught them. Right. And now think of the age gap between me and my grandparents. Not right. even, <laughs> not even fucking comparable. <laughs> totally different world. Totally, totally different. different world. Media. And, Social media, yeah. everything. The fact that we have so much access to information, whereas like I always get like, I always rag on my mom. Like, you know, you deal with anxiety or depression, fucking deal with it. What are you going to do about it? Or like if the, you have the resource, the information, the ability at your fingertips to make those changes. But our, our parents didn't have that as kids. Our grandparents for sure didn't have that. No. And we're really, really, really lucky to, if we choose to accept this understanding or this mission that we can take on ourselves, like healing ourselves first and understanding ourselves first, then we have the ability to change how things work around us. It's easier said than done because I want to go back to my breakup where <laughs> <laughs> I decided to take on this mission of like, okay, for the first time in my life, I'm not going to go into another relationship. I'm not going to download a dating app. I'm not going to just jump into it and fill myself with distractions. That was the longest, most painful experience of my <laughs> life. Yeah, I've been there. I was like, <laughs> there were times, <laughs> this is like week four, where I'm sitting in the bath crying, but like not, I'm crying, but no tear. like there's no tears left. My body was just <laughs> It's a dry crying. cry. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, this is actually fucked up. And I think the most common question is, how long does this last? How long before I pass this level? And I need to be honest and say that I'm in year, going into year three. <laughs> <laughs> and every day I'm just like, why do I feel like the more understanding, the more I try to take on, the more I try and just like what I'm trying to focus on right now is surrender and awareness. Mm -hmm. Where you are right now is okay. Mm -hmm. Trying to rewrite these old patterns that I've been of stories and patterns that I've had since blocked off childhood memories. I just find the more aware that I am, the more annoyed that I am. And it's just never ending. That makes sense. I mean, you think about it. What does grief do? Grief grounds you. It roots you. You know, my grief basically you know, I'd like to say at first it grabbed my feet from the earth, you know, and wouldn't allow me, you know, sort of like came up and grabbed them and <laughs> held me down. 
Um, but eventually they were roots that were coming from my legs, you know, that I realized was me actually connecting back, grounding to the earth, grounding to the truth, grounding to feeling. You know, I, when you talk about the difference in generations, I think that's an important aspect because we are uh, in between thought processes, in between, you know, never have we had more information, but never have we had more opinions, never have yes. we had more, right? Like even this idea, yeah. and I think this is a beautiful thing that's occurring, and I used to live in this world where Western medicine, which is allopathic medicine, which is much more reactive, is being challenged by ancient thousands of years old, you know, um, Eastern medicines or more holistic functional medicines. And that's, you know, this idea that we've, I mean, we have to remember that there's money to be made in that. And I'll circle back to why I'm saying this. And so anything that says there's only one way, or this is the way you always have to be mindful of, because, you know, like I certainly know that what I say or what I share or what I feel is not for everybody and it shouldn't be. And when someone says change who you are so you match what I need, I'm like, no, go fucking find someone you want because you trying to get me to change is still you trying to manipulate the world outside of you instead of going and doing the work and seeing like, I don't have to change to make you comfortable. Mm -hmm. You have to learn how to live in a world that triggers you. And same, like, which don't get me wrong, there's accountability to what we do and what we say that is triggering and unkind or, or any toxic, et cetera. But my point being, when we look at someone who's like in their 70s, 80s, 60s, 50s, 40s, and they're dealing with things like anxiety, depression, uh, we are in between models that said, there's something wrong with you because you have these feelings, so you need to be treated with these things. I actually just saw a study yesterday shared by um, a friend of mine who writes and researches on uh, psilocybin. And that psilocybin, I think it was psilocybin, but it could have just been another mushroom treatment, so pardon my quote in this moment. But the most important part of it was that it was four times more effective in treating depression than any uh, and it was a small study. So again, it's just that it hints at a possibility. So I'm not saying mm -hmm. this is medicine, go do this. Mm -hmm. This is not what I'm saying. This is just information. Four times more effective than any pharmaceutical intervention uh, study, which is really powerful and not for anyone who's done psilocybin, not makes perfect sense. And all of that to say is like so much of what we're taught about emotion is that if we have what we call a negative emotion, which there's core emotions and depression and anxiety are symptoms of suppression of core emotions. And, and guilt would go in there too and shame. And you can learn more about this from a book called uh, It's Not Always Depression by Hilary Jacobs Hendel, which is a fantastic book. And it talks about sort of the science and functionality of emotion. Anyways, the point being that when you are taught, I think I've said that five times, so eventually I'll get to a point. <laughs> you are taught that there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And I would say, when you can start to see that your response to your world and your environment and your disconnection and your self-abandonment and all the ways you put on masks to be liked by the world, if your response to that is to feel sad, angry, depressed, anxious, uncertain, you're working. You're actually functioning properly. And that's a totally a different perspective, this idea that like, what happens if there's actually nothing wrong with you and there's actually lots of things right with you and that you're actually not this broken thing. You're actually this human who's got an environment that needs to change instead of 
numb, do whatever you need to do to change yourself to live in an environment that is inherently toxic, which I would argue is true of relational patterns, is true of how we relate to the earth, is true of how we relate to money, is true of how we relate to food. I mean, you look at the food industry, it's poisoning us, you know, and we're not even in the worst time. I mean, the 80s was a fucking shit show. Not to mention that you follow all the trains of thought that fat's bad for you. Well, what did they put in your food? They put fucking dump trucks of sugar, lit up all your cocaine, you know, store spots in your brain, <laughs> gave everybody diabetes and heart disease because they're all experiencing inflammatory diets. Add to that, that we're inundated with fear on the news Add to that that relationships are based on self-abandonment and people aren't allowed to have a voice. Women are not encouraged to speak up, to share, to... That's why most women, and I say this based on experience, and I don't think you'll get mad at me for saying this, but you might, which is not you personally, but someone listening, <laughs> is that because directness was not celebrated and women having power and a voice, passivity was a lot of the ways that things were communicated manipulation, passivity, and, and, and in, so whenever I experience someone who's not actually sharing what they really mean, I have so much compassion for it because no one celebrated a world where a woman could share what they mean. Just like when a man shares what they feel, they're in an act of rebellion against masculinity. So whenever you don't do those things in order to fit in, you're going to experience anxiety, depression. You're going to experience things that come from the suppression of self. And so what does relationship do? I mean, it's a magnifying glass to all the things we don't do well. Mm -hmm. So that's why I like it. I mean, I can explore someone's patterns from their relationship to anything, but love fucks us up, you know, like the fear of being abandoned and rejected brings up our shit. And so I'm always like, when someone's going through a breakup and they're in it, I'm like, welcome to the jungle. Like, this is the place you wake up, <laughs> right? Like, that's the space. So like hearing where you're at, you should be annoyed because you're noticing. You're noticing all the ways that you sold yourself out. You're noticing all the ways you became something for the approval of other people. And I'm not speaking, speaking specifically to you. No, but, but I like feel that. everyone yeah. should be. Yeah. When I felt that grief, I was like, first time I explored grief sober, and I was in it. And I was like, holy fuck, a lot of this grief is all grief that I, as a little, you know, a teenager experiencing betrayal and rejection from partners, uh, which is not their fault. They're human. You know, I look back now and I'm like, wow, thank you for teaching me the complexity of the human experience. You should, we should all be annoyed if we're paying attention. We should all be sad if we're paying attention. But you know, that's what allows us to feel in love so deeply. You can't just experience the bliss of love. Every time you fall in love, you sign up for loss. You know, I don't look at my partner and go, oh, like one day I think about losing her. But that's what makes the love so delicious. I think about one day, knock on some form of wood, when my parents do pass, I've been blessed to have them in my life. It's going to destroy me. And it should. But that doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean I should numb it. It, it, it actually oh God, is part of the I'm richness. <laughs> but isn't that the richness of it all? You know, and so we're waking up to the possibility of actually feeling everything again. And if you're paying attention, you see that you step on ants, you see that you eat food that's fucking made in a lab. That shit pisses me off. You can't hack 
the brilliance of the universe. Like you can't, just like you can't hack your way to the body we want, to the to the relational path. I'm gonna send five texts to get six people to write me back. Become the type of person who doesn't give a shit, but gives a shit, who doesn't care if you write me back, I'm enough. No, if you write me back, you're a match, maybe. I still haven't made up my mind. You're not the one, you become the one. And that shows me that I'm discerning, that I care about what I allow in my life. And we should do that with everything in our lives. The things we buy, the foods we buy, the choices we make for our bodies, we should be doing that in everything. So that was a long fucking rant. It was, and I'm very triggered on a lot of these points. I felt very- Perfect, triggered. I love it, let's do it. Let's get into the triggers. Because I can always learn to communicate things better. And no, also, it's because um, but let's it, do it. It goes back to just having that awareness. You know, if you would have had this conversation with me when we first met or, you know, another time when you got me addicted to those fucking Himalaya puffs. Oh, fuck, those things are so good. <laughs> oh, yeah. When I opened the bag and we just fucking, I'm like, you got to try these. I was like a crack dealer. Oh, they're yeah. so good. But if you would have had that conversation with me that day. I would have sat there and I would have listened and I probably would have nod my head and I would have been like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but I don't hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And you have this conversation with me now going back to, you know, me sharing how I'm in that annoyed phase. And that's why I feel triggered because I am so hyper aware, but the annoyance comes from the hyper awareness in combination with I still make bad choices and I know I consciously make bad choices, but I also acknowledge that I'm, it's still very driven from subconscious and it's this whole fucked up ecosystem. Therefore I am annoyed. <laughs> so let me just understand this correctly. Uh -huh. Your awareness has fueled the understanding and acknowledgement that the choices you make are in contrast to the life you would like to live and the choices you would like to make. Correct. So I'm like, right. here's highest you self. You should be annoyed. I'm very annoyed. Here's highest self. Here's what highest self would do. Right? Simple science. Energy. Just do it. Become it. I'm like eating, like looking at highest self, thinking about how it would be nice. <laughs> well, those cheese puffs are pretty understandable. <laughs> if you're going to eat on the way to highest self, those are the... But you know what I mean? It's just... And I, I had this conversation with Christine last week, and I promise we'll go back to breakups in a second. But I had this conversation with Christine last week. And I just said to her, it's so frustrating that I, why do I do it? Why do I do it? Why is it so hard to rewrite those patterns? Well, it's I'm insane. curious. Do you want to explore that? Yeah, let's go for it. I'm curious what feeling is, what emotion is below annoyance? So annoyed oh, is not How a feeling, right? Well, <laughs> you got six to choose from. So... <laughs> What feeling is it? Grief? Is it? It can be more than one. Grief, anger. Yep. Yep. Right. And I would imagine there's probably some possibility of joy or excitement in there because of what's possible. Because the awareness. Oh, a thousand percent. First, that too, right? So the highest self is over there being like, this is fucking Burning Man over here. Mm -hmm. And you could hang. Burning Man's probably not where the highest self is, but maybe Could sometimes. Be. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So your highest self is over there. Being like, yo, all you got to do is make that choice and you can come here. That's right. And you're like, easy, oh, right? yeah, that's great. And then you get to the decision tree and you make, okay, so how do you feel about yourself when you're annoyed? 
knowing oh, that you could have made a better choice things. and you didn't. Yeah. So how do you feel about yourself? There's disappointment, there's frustration, there's anger, there's abandonment, there's worthiness, there's, you know, all the juicy. How do you feel when you abandon yourself? Annoyed. <laughs> Feeling. No, that's, but. That's a state. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel? Um, when I abandon myself, I feel, I start to feel like those pieces of similar like heartbreak, yeah, you know, sadness, like not showing grief. up, you know, for yourself, like those pa for myself. But then there's the anger that I actually have the control and I actually am lucky to have the awareness. So why wouldn't it be an easy choice? Like, here's the analogy I give myself. I have conversations with me all the time. Sometimes I'll talk to my dog, Charles. That's all I have. So <laughs> <laughs> I go back to that analogy of imagine someone just sat on the couch with you and said, you could have everything you wanted if you just did these three things every day. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, fucking easy. Give it. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> what well, is easy? Yeah, I'm six weeks into my <laughs> my downward spiral, <laughs> and well, I have I have that conversation every day, and I'm actually so fascinated at why it's so hard. Like I'm fascinated that I have such a strong awareness, yet I choose. Like what the what's going on? What's going on, Allie? Well, let's meet you in that space because the the truth of life is that it is simple if everyone just said, okay, well, if I was enough and I mattered to me, what would I do? And everyone would make those choices and chocolate would, spinach would taste like chocolate and everything would be perfect in the world. But the reality is, is that you have thousands of years of conditioning that mm -hmm. lives in your body. You have, you could go back this generation and probably many and see that autonomy and sovereignty over self as a woman not a common thing, if you think about it. So when you're meeting this point where you have to choose or you get to choose mm -hmm. something that seems simple, you have to remember that you are literally breaking the shackles of thousands of years. So mm -hmm. it's not like, oh, we'll just choose not to do the thing. It's breaking genetic patterns. So it's a total act of reclamation and rebellion. So you put it on like it's this simple X or Y. But X, which is the old behavior, needs to be met with compassion because it's mm -hmm. a survival-based behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, like you think about how you feel when you're annoyed about the possibility of making a better choice than the choice you make. You feel sad. You feel angry. You feel abandoned. Mm -hmm. Well, how long in your life have you felt that way? Totally. How um, long? Oh gosh, I can't tell you. It just seems Since normal. How old? Childhood and like, right? Yeah. So, it's an emotion that's familiar. Mm -hmm. And like, could you yeah, imagine? Comforting. Right. It's very comforting, even though you know you don't want to feel that way. There's something sort of soothing about it. You know, like children when they're scared or they're hurt and they go hide in their room. They find safety and they learn to ruminate as a way of sort of moving themselves out of the what is actually occurring in the moment. We get and future oriented. Of a controlled outcome. Right. And, and then as an adult, it still works. Mm -hmm. 
It's not the adult making the choice, though. It's still the adolescent. It's still the child. And so this is the movement, you know, from adolescence to adulthood is, is are you willing to go in the fire of the space between, like, if I was you, I'd take all that fucking annoyance and anger and grief, and I would use it all to alchemize, to transform, to transform. You're in the cocoon right I now. I feel it. I, I do feel it. And that's why, I, I don't know if I said this earlier, but I'm feeling like my word right now or what I'm trying to embody is just surrender. Just fucking do it. Just be compassionate. Just have acceptance for where you are and take it second by second. Because when I think, I feel like, not even I feel like, I know that my entire life and I know this is the same for a lot of people, instant, like, how can I get this right now? I, you know, how to get this job, how to lose 30 pounds in three days, how to, you know what I mean? It's like, we want mm-hmm. something and we want it right now. And all of the things I want, I can't get without making a game plan or a success plan to getting there without surrendering and accepting where I am right now and honoring it. Why don't you and, want to? That's a great question. I asked myself that. (laughs) Well, what would it mean about you if you accepted all those things? Well, because I have so much shame about what I'm feeling right now. And there's so much of me that I don't like. So that's where I'm feeling a lot of it is stem. Like that's kind of my core issue of what I, I feel like I'm trying to face first to be like, why can't you just love yourself for who you are? Why can't you see what other people see about you. Why can't, like, what are you so hyper-focused on? And the irony, going back to medicine and body, the irony of the things that I'm experiencing health-wise, when you link it to somatic therapy, when you link it to where your body holds trauma, Mm -hmm. I honestly feel like my body is doing, it, it will expand very quickly. It can also shrink very quickly, but I'm in this constant expanding mode for this, I would say these last three, four weeks, and I feel it happening, happening rapidly. And I just know, like intuitively, I know my body is being like, bitch, <laughs> like, <laughs> what, how loud do we need to scream before you listen to us? And I'm mm. starting to feel these um physical symptoms as messages from spirit that's yeah, weird I mean, no <laughs> i mean they are you know they're the expression you look at the research on all conflict with other but i'd argue that conflict exists within ourselves when we self-abandon they all lead to inflammation all of them uh, they lead to higher incidences of leaky gut which leads to more inflammation so mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense from a somatic perspective. This area here, because I got diagnosed with PCOS a couple years ago and my face exploded with cystic acne. Apparently this jawline linked to self-hatred. The fucking irony. (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, I think of like how interesting is the question, why can't I just? Mm. Which comes from a critical perspective of like, I'm not doing enough. Yeah. As to how do I? Yeah. Yeah. Because even the very act of trying to love yourself is different than loving yourself. How do I love myself despite the fact that I don't like this, this, and this, as opposed to just stop. Just stop all of that. Stop that pursuit to something that the very pursuit of creates. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
as opposed to like, because I think you and I can 100% agree that when you actually want to do something, like business-wise, no fucking around, right? No like you around. can you can have anything you want from a business perspective. Is that fair? Yeah, I'm annoyed again right now. <laughs> yeah, right, because you can. And so yeah. now you're like, well, I can do that. Why can't I do that? Mm-hmm. And so then it becomes something that's more than cerebral because the cerebral part goes, why can't I just fucking do this? It's just a choice. But in that is no compassion for where it comes from. It's like, imagine if there's this, I remember listening to Francis Weller say, who's a great, he's a psychotherapist who calls himself a soul activist. And he has a great uh, audio series called Alchemy of Initiation, which is about initiatory processes, which is what you're going through and what we all go through. And in it, he says, Often we spend our whole time, our whole life looking for belonging, looking for acceptance, looking for home. And he said, but at some point we have to become it. We have to become the place that welcomes others, that welcomes ourselves. And I think so many of us, including myself, go out on this mission, you know? We're like, oh, I'm going to do all the personal growth things. I'm going to learn all the things. But we're so used to the archetype of the doing and the not enoughness that there has to be a point where you're actually just building upon who you are rather than fixing who you are. And integrating. Exactly. And so at some point you come out. Yeah. Integrating is hard. Well, because integrating means letting go. Integrating means, oh, what happens if you just, you did it. You did it, Allie. You're done. And now you get to enjoy the fruits of that as now someone I can who, say that I've done the work. <laughs> well, yeah, because the very okay. act of stopping means you don't hate yourself. Yeah. The very act of, of, oh, I did it. Like you have so much evidence that you did it. I wouldn't even say I've did it, did it, done it. Done it, did it. I would say that I'm in the process of understanding and accepting I don't, I don't think I can confidently say I've done it. So how will you know when you did it? Well, I think I would, I think there's kind of like a few layers that I'm trying to unpack. And I think as my days start to get easier and as I start to take the, like, I feel, I feel like you're like hypersensitive, you know, like everything can kind of trigger me and it's, and I know what I've integrated and what I haven't integrated I just don't think I'm 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 a ways away from stepping into that confidence or stepping into like new patterns, new ways of thinking because I still kind of feel like I'm stuck in the in the in the quicksand. How will you know when you're out? Have you ever been out of the quicksand? No, I haven't. Right. But in so all how will you know? Before I just wanted before I didn't know quicksand existed. I was living in ignorance. <laughs> yeah, you see what I'm saying? You didn't know your feet were in cement blocks. Yeah, until it wasn't until, and this is a, maybe a good chance to go back to the breakup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These guys are like, what the fuck are you talking about? It wasn't until then, honestly, when my last partner, ex-partner left my house, it was the mirror of all mirrors. Mm. I could beg and scream for any explanation that would give me different insight, and I did that. But deep down inside, as soon as that door closed, like that physical door in my house closed, I knew exactly why that relationship ended. Mm. And I knew exactly what I did to contribute to that. 
And that stuff caused me a lot of pain before the breakup. So here I am screaming at my ex, like, how fucking dare you? Like, you abandoned me. I'm going through depression. I'm going through this. I just quit my job. I'm starting a business. Like, how fucking dare you, like, not have my back? Mm. But, like, I hadn't had my own back for, like, two fucking years. So, like, I'm here on my knees begging for someone to love and support me, but I couldn't even show up for myself. So that what that that situation specifically was the relationship or was the situation and i've had a couple others with friends and transformation of friendships over the last few years but those were the situations that really said okay like now you're aware what are you going to do about it and what are you going to do to take responsibility for what you can control because patterns i'm guilty of it and i know a lot of people do this and we touched on it on to the next you know, just go see yeah. someone else, just go meet someone else, just go like go out, go party Not with your girlfriends, mm-hmm. just go. Let's just get your, take your mind off it. We are conditioned to take our mind off of anything that bothers us, but we don't dive into what's actually bothering us. And we just carry our, we just fucking pack our bags and bring them into the next relationship, throw them in our new partner's room. And you're like, hey, can you just, can I like use some of your drawers? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Can have some closet space. (laughs) Which I think is a good analogy to what relationships can offer, which is to help us unpack, Mm -hmm. but to not unpack for us, you know. And Mm -hmm. I think about what you're saying about your ex being sort of like a mirror to everything that you needed to work at and look Mm -hmm. for. Mm -hmm. And I think about this often, like you will always lose what you place your worth in to remind you that it doesn't live there. Yep. And that to me is when, whenever anyone says, like, they left me and they took this with me, with them, I always say, like, what did you give them? Like, what did you give them that you are so lost and devastated without I them? gave my ex anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> you gave me anxiety, which is great. You got rid of it. <laughs> but I think when you see that of, like, like, I'm devastated without them. I've certainly felt that way. So this is not a, like, you know, I'm get it all your shit together and don't feel human. Mm-hmm. It's like, what did you give them that left you devastated? Because when relationships complete us, validate us, we look for them to provide us with happiness. It's not the fucking job of your relationship. Just like when there's a hole within myself that I have not looked at and I, I put someone in it, which is an interesting euphemism, but I put someone in it it's I now I'm not feeling that thing I need to feel and I depend on them to cover up my wound. If I need to be enough, I need to be prioritized, I need to be understood, I need to be important, all of those things will continue to be taken away from me. Till I, I might be reminded by someone who says, you are so lovable. And I might go, what? Fuck that. I'm not. Like, I can't, I'll sabotage because I can't receive them. But mm-hmm. if I'm at the right moment of awareness, I might think, even after I lost them, but ideally in the relationship. Whoa, that feels uncomfortable. Why? And it might invite me or motivate me to finally do the work. And the curious thing about this is like the human condition is mostly wait till I have to rather than wait till I choose to. And I certainly used to wait till I had to. Uh, you know, we sort of like hit the end, bang our face into the wall, realize we can't go any further into self-destruction 
or self-loathing or self-abandonment. And we have to turn around. It's that rock bottom that can be just a breakup. But, but rock bottoms can just be the awareness that you're capable of more than you're doing. Yeah, they don't always have to feel so catastrophic. Right, and like choosing an expanded life isn't just about, oh, I'm going to feel all joyous now. No, it also comes with the grief of all the times in your life you didn't make the choice. So as you're aware of like what's possible, you're also grieving what's possible because you're not living into it. So you're going to constantly live in a state of sadness because you haven't reached, and potentially anxiety, because you haven't reached the space and the gap that you're aware of. So the familiar, of course, you're going to be sad. You're leaving shit on the table. Yeah, those bags, of, those bags of delicious puffs and talks with my right, dog. It's like that's right. my comfort, and I don't want to leave it. <laughs> and you do. And I do. And you don't have to wait till the moment that says you have to. You can literally, you know, there's that that poem from Rumi, like why do you stay? Uh, something like why do you stay in the prison? The door's right there. And I think about that one all the time because. Whoa. Anytime you have a choice and you have a new awareness, you're actually staying in a prison of an old system or design or framework when the door is literally right there. Just another choice. But most of us would rather complain about the prison we're in, including oh, yeah. me, me, you know, because victimhood <laughs> is power. But it also takes away any power of yourself. It's like I always think of like the victim again, not speaking to abuse. The victim mindset is incredible because one, it like nurtures so many parts of us of like, oh, it's not my fault. I'm, I'm not enough. It's like, if the world just gave me a chance, you know, it's like all of this. But when I use that, I'm now like, I, I find it to be this interesting correlation of like an actual and immense amount of power. And it's so un, uh, it doesn't make conscious sense, like logical sense of like, how is being a victim powerful? Well, victimhood automatically creates power divide, even though it looks like one's above you and you're below mm -hmm. because of the complex construct of that art of the hierarchy, you're actually above, which is really interesting. And it's like, that's why I always come back to the compassionate space of, of like the reason people don't use their voice and their power, especially if they're women is because they were taught not to. So when you actually become the powerful feminine being that you are, not just in business, get out of the fucking way. Are you kidding me? Like, right. And so like knowing that makes sense that you're annoyed. I'd be annoyed because yeah. I watch you and I'm like, fuck, yeah. Like watch building doors are going to blow off when you share everything <laughs> you actually feel and when... <laughs> when you let that go. But again, I have so much compassion for why you haven't yet. That's why it's not like, just let it go, Allie. Like, yeah. can't you just fucking do that? Yeah, so I can sound exactly like the voice in your head. Yeah. Instead, it's like, when you're ready, it'll be the perfect time. And you're exactly where you need to be. And you're such a fucking incredible human. And every emotional experience that you've been through, everything you've been through will allow you to walk other people through the path. And when you're ready to walk through the door and you're ready to just be not enough, you'll realize that's, that's everybody. That's everybody. That's what connects people. Perfection. No one gives a fuck about perfection, although we double tap that shit all day on Instagram. It's like we really relate with a person who says, I don't have my poop in a group. And that's <laughs> just it. That. 
And honestly, it was the whole point of this podcast. I was just so sick of being stuck in a filtered, curated world of fucking bullshit. I was so sick of people telling me they wanted my life and I had this and I had that. I'm like, you have no fucking idea what's going on behind the scenes. (laughs) You literally don't know that I lost my whole business last year. You literally Mm -hmm. don't know that this happened. You have, you're comparing. I, you know what I'm good at? I'm good at making fucking people's Instagrams look amazing. That's my job. (laughs) So if you want your life to be amazing too, hire me. (laughs) So do you think that your annoyance comes from the fact that you previously curated your your feed and expression? I think it actually comes from comparison and comparing myself to others. I've now realized and Mm -hmm. when I got more clear on who I was and what I wanted to do and what my mission was and started to lean into this, I I now realize I'm like, you can have both. You can still post nice things and share and powerful stories. And it's yes. funny because I tried to launch this podcast three years ago and Kelsey Grant came over to my house in my kitchen. We recorded episode one. It got 600 downloads in one week. I thought that was bad. I knew nothing about podcasts. I got imposter syndrome. I said, no one wants to listen to me speak. I have nothing to say. I'm not fucking doing it. Mm. And I left it. And it wasn't until this summer until... It was actually Kai and and Kels and Leah and Kate and this powerful group of females, we call it our coven, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. came together and I sat at a dinner and I realized this is what I've been craving my whole life. Being surrounded by like, this is the epitome of sisterhood. This is the epitome of like, look at these badass babes who run businesses, their partners, their sisters, their mothers, their business owners, they operate so highly in their masculine, yet they've really understood the beauty of and the power of being in their feminine. And I can in this like in the same conversation, we're talking about business, we're talking about dicks, we're talking about it's like literally <laughs> the epitome. I mean epitome is it a good of, dinner if you don't talk about exactly. ding dongs. But I was just like, this is what girl talk is, but it's also a place where I, I sat in my car after and I'm like, I'm inspired, I'm supported, I'm held, I'm I'm feeling good. I, it was everything. And I said, it's time for this podcast to come back because I know other women don't have access to this, like don't have the privilege of going to this dinner. Maybe they haven't found their groups of friends yet, or maybe like we need to All of these things that I'm going through, and that's what I try and make every episode about, I know more women are going through it than not. And I just want to be able to normalize female entrepreneurship. I want to be able to normalize what a woman might go through in her life because we feel so isolated when these things start, when these things happen to us. No one gets us. Why is this happening to me? The victim mindset, the confusion, the annoyance, the anger, all of these things. And then we go back on the fucking internet and we start swiping and it's not happening to anybody else. Right. Isn't that so true? Yeah. So thank you for sharing that with me because honestly, if one woman listens to this conversation and they're like, I resonate with this and now I feel supported or inspired, like that's all I need. That's all I like. That's all I'm trying to do is normalize these feelings for other women because I know how stressful it was for me. 
Yeah, and I think from a male perspective too, well, let me actually just finish another thought of what you said, which I loved all of it, which tells me, yeah, the previous time you launched the podcast, you weren't ready. But had you not done that, you wouldn't have the perspective you have today. Like it all serves mm -hmm. this perfect, mm -hmm. like I interviewed Seth Godin last week so and cool. oh my God, that was crazy. I was so nervous because I'm like, this guy's <laughs> fucking like genius. And he said, if you do not have imposter syndrome, you're not doing new things. Like it's a sign that you're actually doing good work because you should have imposter syndrome with everything you've never done before. It's actually evidence. And I have always had that edge of like, when I, cause for me, it's like, I only say yes to things that require me to expand, which means I'm always an imposter in every experience of new thing in my business or my person or whatever it is, my relationships. And I think about that from the perspective of what you're sharing of like, there's something about, you know, like to go through, I use the term initiatory process, right? To, to go from adolescence to adulthood, which we all had historically in tribal experiences. And like, there's one, I, I think it's from the Maasai people where at a certain age, I think it was like 13, they would paint the boys of the tribe, I believe it was, but it could have been both um, black. And they would walk around the village and the village was to ignore them and to act as if they were dead. And then they would have a celebration and it, they were given a new name and they, were, they would become men in that moment. And when they were men, they were now responsible for the village. They were responsible for their, their community. And that's an, a, an opportunity. We don't have that anymore. You know, like now our initiatory process is a wet dream, which is not really super productive, but feels fucking like great. like a bar mitzvah. Yeah, right. <laughs> which at least there is one in that, which is really a bar mitzvah and a bar mitzvah. You know, and, and like what initiatory processes do we have other than getting your period, right, for women too? It's like that moves you to um, adulthood in some sense. But where is this transition? And what you spoke about is having this community of initiated women that allowed you to initiate, mm -hmm. that allows you to continue to initiate because mm -hmm. I feel like I'm always going through initiations. And mm -hmm. I remember saying to Sherry Salata, like, I feel like every time I peel the fucking onion, there's another fucking layer. Like, I'm like, I got this shit figured out. Woohoo. And then it's like, Psh! like, here's another one, Mark. You don't know what you're doing. And she said to me, Maybe there's a different perspective. And I'm like, all right, I'm listening. You share a lot of, you probably got a lot of cool shit to say. And she was the former executive producer of Oprah. And she's like, maybe it's you actually expanding that each time you uncover a layer, you're actually taking up more space. And I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. What a way better perspective. And I think about what you said about like women moving into that space. And I think as men, I want to just acknowledge my own personal experience of that, uh, especially with my partner who was at that table at that dinner with you and many dinners. I don't know the specific one, but uh, I remember seeing pictures, some, some IG action of some food <laughs> that night, though. I knew there was something fucking cool going on because mm -hmm. there was auras all over the place. We were eating some gluten, some cheese. <laughs> if pizza was there, I'm, I get it. Um, you find God through pizza for sure. Mm -hmm. But what I think is really fascinating is leaning into the discomfort that I've been taught to have through society to be in the company of a powerful woman, to actually 
get out of the way to to lower my voice to take up less space it is implied that space is given to me especially as a white male and to actually acknowledge the parts of my somatic experience that feel like smallness that feel like discomfort that feel like fear that feel like not enoughness that feel like i'm not being praised and fucking begged to you know pay for something or do to actually step out of that archetype that power dynamic and just kind of watch to the side and just be in awe of like one there's parts of my body that have to alchemize to be with a powerful woman i have mm-hmm. to initiate from being mm-hmm. a boy who needs to be not challenged who needs to be right who needs no access to my emotionality who needs big pecs you know to being this just in awe of what it's like to be in the company of a powerful woman and to be like holy shit like when you're in that space you realize that that is when anything is possible and so many people are taught to turn down their bigness mm-hmm. to allow someone an unintegrated or a male who can't handle it and i'm speaking heteronormatively here to turn it down for my discomfort because that's what everyone's been taught to do mm-hmm. and i would say turn it up because that being called forward by powerful women has been the greatest blessing of my life including my mom and and so i hear what you're going through what you're doing and this podcast when i heard you were starting a podcast i'm like oh this shit's going to be lit like it's going to be so good. I don't even know if people say lit anymore, but I sometimes say it just to make it sound like I got some millennial <laughs> up in here. Um but wow, I think like from a male perspective, it's I want women to be louder. I want because we got our own work to do over here. We're <laughs> fucking let's yeah, be you honest. Yeah, some shit to fix, okay? Yeah, yeah, and we're so used to <laughs> underfunctioning so women can overfunction and take care of us. Yeah. That um for us to learn how to build emotional capacity to learn how to hold it and not make you wrong and not it's a hard work um but the transformation of the planet is coming through the connection and the reverence for the feminine and gosh it makes sense that women have a hard time having reverence for themselves when the whole world has taught that we need to reject the sensitive the soft the flow we need rigidity and capitalism and and abuse of of everything and the patriarchy right which is the patriarchy <laughs> right when i think yeah. about all that those constructs i mean yeah that's why again to like bring it back to the beginning it is no small feat so the act of self criticism of like why haven't i why can't i is just more of the same power dynamic living within your own construct of yourself mm-hmm. and so by rising by moving forward by acknowledging that you don't let the systems of oppression of 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 silencing live within you the very act of creating this podcast i mean gosh you can let go of the annoyance the podcast is what you're seeking it is the very act of self love of acceptance of power of i mean you're in it and you're like where i'm so annoyed where is this new version of me as you're like creating you did you touched thing. on it er- earlier i i see it i know it i i there's a knowing i know what's going to happen i see what's there so i feel good about it but i do feel equally a- as annoyed 
for like little things that I'm, I guess I I felt like I wasn't choosing me for a lot of things that I should be choosing me for putting myself as a priority, but. And you'll, you will. Yeah. I mean, and it's also not a perfect system. Like I eat nutritionally well, 95% of the time I had three donuts in the last week, you know, but I'm Mm. not like, what kind? (laughs) Oh man, they were so good. One was a old fashioned glazed. Another was a maple, which I'm not super, but the Mm. donut itself was maples. I think it's a shitty donut in general. Chocolate dip is the way to go. No, I'm like a Boston cream kind of girl. I don't like the injection inside, but I do understand that people might like it. That's fair. And there's so many good uh, jokes to be made from that, but you know (laughs) what I'm saying. Um, Mark, can I just say something? You are the first male guest we've had on the show. Oh, wow. Wow, I feel yeah. so honored to be. Yeah, I know There's the company. There's not many keep... men that I feel like speaking to these days. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're not kidding, but that's okay. Um, I feel so honored, and and you know, I know the company you keep, and it's a a powerful, beautiful, um, really. Uh, I just have so much reverence for all the women in your life, including you. you, and. And to even be having this conversation is such a privilege to to be able to do it in a space where women dwell, so to speak. Um, I always feel so honored to be trusted with such a, to be in the womb, you know? Your words of wisdom are always welcome, also perspective. Um, so let's recap this super quick. I don't even know what we talked about <laughs> anymore. It turned into a therapy session. Eat mushrooms <laughs> and everything will be fine. Uh, yeah, I think... I'll let you kind of update people on what you're doing. And in terms of breakup stuff, you have so you have a course, you have resources. You're talking about it every day on your page. And accessing that information is so easy and attainable for a lot of people. But let's do a quick recap of people in the space. They're in the thick of it. They've left the relationship. Maybe they have no idea where to go. How do we, what are three things we can work on for self to start this journey of preparing us for the next? time we get into a partnership? I think the first part of any uh, transformation, no matter the context, is you just got to be willing to get really real with yourself. I mean, that's actually not optional because so many of us are disconnected from what is actually true, what is actually real. Um, We can't hold on to like making an audit of our lives and our behaviors and our choices. It has to start with that. From this sort of, it's really powerful to, uh, Dr. Alexander Solomon talks about starting to look at your past like an anthropologist, like just a scientist going, hey, what's this? What's that? Um, In the breakup course, I walk people through that, like you do an audit of your past relationships. Hmm. You know, it's so interesting. It's like when people write out a list of everything they want, and anyone can do this practice, um, we go much deeper in the course, but if you write out a list of everything you want in a relationship, like I want us to uh, have healthy conflict. I want us to be honest with one another. I want us, I want to have great sex. I want to, and you go through all your, I want to feel respected. I want to feel whatever you go through all your past relationships and you actually score them for how they perform. Good. <laughs> Usually what you see is that people are anywhere from about 30 to 60%. Yeah. <laughs> And that is a painful moment of awareness of like, wait, I say I want this. And we're talking Mm -hmm. about that again, you know, of like, I say I want this thing, but I don't choose that thing. 
And whenever you choose something that is different than what you say you want, your belief about your what you want has to turn down. So like, I say I want a great relationship, but I entertain anything but. Well, then I must believe that I'm not worthy of one because I'm not choosing it. And so the first part is that level of, of self-acceptance, self-awareness, self, like just getting to know self. When you do that, you can stand on a foundation of reality. And then you can start to put in changes. So you might seek out this podcast. You might seek out teachers, books, whatever it is. That be, you know, I think books like The Four Agreements are a great way to start always in the personal growth world. Uh, the Alchemist by Paul Cuello, I think he says last name. Um, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl is a powerful book. I mean, there's so many good books. If you want to start on this sort of relational journey, um, Dr. Alexander Solomon has a book called Loving Bravely that is incredible. And and so like that that willingness to get real with self is is really this feeling of coming home. And and I heard a friend of mine say to Kylie the other day, I just put the quote up actually on my page because I was like, oh my God, that's so good. She said, the journey home is so much easier than the journey away. And I think so much about like when we're young, we are given this sort of decision tree where it's like, am I going to be authentic and self-express? You don't know you're doing that at the time. Or am I going to have to compromise some of those things for belonging? And so I sort of saw my life when I had this awareness that there was like, imagine we were like standing on the other side of a riverbank. And my soul was like, hey, I'm over here. And like, you've built this life as a pharmaceutical rep and you did your undergrad in finance because that's what you were supposed to do. And you're supposed to become a provider and you're supposed to get lots of chicks too. And you're supposed to be good at this and have muscles and do all these things. And you can do those things if you want. And of course, we're given some caveats for health and all that stuff. But my soul was like, but I'm over here whenever you're ready. And I realized like in my life, I had like one to two giant choices that were me rejoining and getting across the riverbank and swimming through those breaks, those, all the things, the, what do they call them? Rips? I forget. But anyway, rapids. Yeah. Rapids. Yeah. And I think all of us are one to two giant choices of bravery that can be starting a relationship, leaving one, putting down the work, starting the work, where our soul finally says, hey, welcome back. And, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert said to Glennon Doyle, and I read that in her book, Untamed, when Glennon was talking about her divorce and like leaving, and she said, there's no such thing as one-way liberation. Like when you are liberated, the other person is not even a question. And I think when we stop participating in these systems, these things, and relational dynamics, and we actually just tell the truth, everyone's invited to the truth, but not everyone wants the truth or is ready for the truth. But once you know what that feels like, and that can be very subjective, once you touch it, you can't go back. Because the freedom of being in the truth is better than putting a mask on any day. And that's why when anyone says to me like, hey, your message would be better if you didn't swear, or it'd be better if you did this for, or did that or didn't talk about this. I didn't ask. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> I didn't get here and do all the fucking work to take all the masks off and the bullshit 
so I could put one back on for your ass to be comfy. And consume my free fucking content. (laughs) Right. Like, to me, I'm like, this is the righteousness of the world. You know, and and again, like, these happen in micro ways when Mm -hmm. someone says, I notice you're changing. Oh, why are you doing that? Are you sure? Have you thought about how that might not go or you might fail? That's all people who are afraid. And they're going to stay small till they're not. But they're just afraid of what people exude who are living in freedom and in whatever capacity that means. No pun intended on lockdowns or anything like that. Right, and masks. right yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that is when, when you can learn to just touch the truth, I think that's everything. You know, like I'm sad. I, I feel disconnected in our partnership. I'm not, I don't like my job. I feel disappointed in how I'm showing up. I lie. I cheat. I sabotage. I don't feel like I'm enough. I try to fill holes. I numb. When you can just say I'm tired of all that shit, oh, man, get ready to meet the the grief that comes get with Get ready to get knowing. annoyed. Right, which is <laughs> the awareness. Annoyance is really, yeah. you know, I wrote about this the other day, of like all of that is is accepting the pain of what living in a pile of bullshit feels like. And and great, because at least you're aware of the bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be involved. You know, like for me, I'm like, sometimes I see things I say or do, and I'm like, put the shit down. You know, like you do anything for likes or any of that. You know, there's a saying, I forget who said it, but when you try to make music to make money, God leaves the room. And I think that's true of when you try to do anything for celebration or applause of other, because they'll stop clapping the moment you do things they don't like. And if you're used to dancing for them, you'll keep wanting to shapeshift. Mm-hmm. Damn. There's some food for thought in this last hour and a bit couple of things for people to dissect (laughs) reflect on yeah and like it's always just this gentle invitation yeah of like are you ready yeah and maybe it's just a like little cell in your body goes i am and you're like shh (laughs) you know (laughs) shut up (laughs) that was me for nine years you know the intuitive like hey I'm over here across the riverbank whenever you're ready. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to do some tequila. I've started getting downloads and visions. And then I, instead of accepting it, I'll just be like, oh, no, you're just crazy. Stop getting distracted. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Like, just like, nope, don't want it. Don't want to see it. Someone would want to treat that with a drug. Yeah. Right. As opposed to like, whoa, what are you waking up to? Mm -hmm. You know, I think of like, if you put it all down, what do you think will happen? Well, that's, I'm, a, I'm afraid of success. What do you like, think will happen, though? I'm curious of like... I'm going to be fucking unstoppable. I just don't know if I can handle it. You can't. Not in your old way, but you can. Because, of course, you know, there, I was reading a quote from Danielle Dobie the other day. Best. Yeah, and it was from her book, um, I Am Her Tribe. And it was, you are a match for your mountain. That's like my favorite one. So simple, but so annoying. <laughs> So annoying, right? (laughs) But like, imagine if you start to shift annoyed to expand it. Yes. 
right? Like annoyed infers that there's something about it and the feeling you have that is bad or mm -hmm. shame-based. Mm -hmm. But as opposed to your annoyance is actually your invitation. It's not actually bad. It's not actually annoyed. Mm -hmm. You're invited. Mm -hmm. And so it's not even bad. It's like you have new awareness and you're like, I'm so annoyed. As opposed to like you have new awareness and you're like, fuck yeah, woohoo, let's go do that thing. And that's yeah. that shift of of how I feel about me or what I'm mm -hmm. used to seeing about me or I'm used to I'm used to seeing my awareness and my emotions and my power as bad and I've been told that so I'll be annoyed by them because that's the only way I know how to turn them down or make them make sense or cope with them be a victim and, right which is this perspective of shift is simply annoyance is the best sign ever for you you every time you get annoyed you're like Oh, that's the universe poking me in the fucking ass, being like, yo, wake up. You got more shit left on the table. I like how you stuck your finger in my face. <laughs> right? Like your butthole. Like, <laughs> get it going. I love everything we spoke about today. Me too. I love you. I love you too. Tell us where we can find you. Tell us what you're up to. Are you taking clients? Are you selling no. programs? Tell us everything. Definitely not taking clients. I haven't done that for a while. Um, and not because I don't like them. I, it's just so, it's such a use of time and power um, and energy. I really rather have collective conversations. Um, so you can find, because I love the power of groups. What you said about your women's dinner is like okay. how I feel about community and like mm -hmm. my comment section. Most mm -hmm. of the time, not all the time. Um, yeah. And so you can find me on create the love everywhere, uh, as a handle. And then I have a podcast called the Mark Rose podcast and I have a new app that I just created called mind oh. and yeah. And it's, uh, and you came out with cards. I, I came out with create the love cards and those are the reason I'm Kai actually came up with that idea and then we broke up and then, uh, you know, I was like, Hey, do you want them? She's like, no, nah, you go ahead. And then I made them, but they're really the birth of her, uh, of her, knowledge and awareness and then i we created a lot of questions together i continued the project and now we're now we're back together she's a co-creator <laughs> of those cards again and they are i designed them in a way that if you're in relationship they invite you much deeper doesn't matter how long you've been together we have videos of like one of the guys who helped design them his parents playing it, it was so cute they've been together 40 years um they're designed for anybody. But the real power I see in them is if you're on a dating process, they allow you to ask questions that you want to ask, but you let me ask them. That's how I really saw it is like a lot of people will say like, when can I ask blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whenever the fuck you want, actually. But if you're playing a game, then it's not on you. There's no pressure. And, and I really think about it like, let me ask the hard questions. You just be there. And if they don't want to play the game, that's a red flag anyway. So swipe left. Yeah. So when my ex didn't want to do the love language test, I should have known that was a flag. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of it, I think, for like men, we're afraid of even going there. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot to that. But you, if you want a relationship with an open-hearted man or one who's on that journey, you do want them to say yes to things like that. Um and so, yeah, the app I created is called Mind, M-I-N-E-D, and you can download that. It's free. The content, the main content's all free and will stay free. Uh, there'll be a paid aspect coming, but it's live and on-demand classes on relational health, emotional health, mental health, and it's um, 
it's the world's first emotional network. That's what I wanted to create of like this space that is where you feel better about yourself instead of worse about yourself. So yeah, that's it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. All right. I'm going to link all of Mark's info in the show notes for you guys. And if you have any questions, you can get in touch with me. Of course, you can get in touch with Mark directly. And thank you. See you around. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Unfiltered with Allie. Just a friendly reminder that I have new episodes that drop every single week, including some bonus content called Honey Check, co-hosted with my best friend, Jenna Garrell, where we catch up for some classic girl talk. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe to the show. And of course, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Not only do I love hearing what you guys think of the episodes, but it helps support the show so much. Lastly, be sure to connect with me over on Instagram at, at Unfiltered with Allie. You'll be able to access a ton of extra content from each of the episodes, slide into my DMs, and you can find the link for my free online Facebook community. This is designed for inspiring badass women all around the world. Can't wait to chat with you next week. Bye.